Hi, I'm Shaylee. Hi, I'm Kate. And this is Idle Writers Club, where we talk about how to make the creative process uh, more pleasurable and less pressure on us. Mm. And today we're going to be talking about um, the relationship between work and play and how sometimes our ideas about work and productivity and grind culture and all that stuff that is part of our kind of cultural conditioning right now can sometimes um, encroach on our sense of playfulness and, um, and, and, and joy and pleasure in doing our creative projects. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we, okay, so we chose work and play yeah. because it's so easy to conflate the two in our creative work. Mm-hmm. Um, we tend to think this is work. So we try to treat it as work and try to uh, apply things that we learned in school and at work um, to the creative process sometimes. And we try to be consistent and we try mm-hmm. to like, we try a lot basically mm-hmm. that, and more than we need to. And I think that sometimes that kills the sense of playfulness and freedom that our creative work, like initially we started our creative work because it seemed fun and interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I think when I think about my earliest memories of creating, I'm sure for all humans, it's as a child, right? And it's mm-hmm. totally effortless and unboundaried and just an absolute joy to right. create, to tell stories, to draw, whatever it is, you know, to play pretend. And somewhere along the way, and I suspect that education, formal education has like a lot to answer for in this area, <laughs> we turn it into work, yeah that it can only have value if it's hard, if it's been hard work and Mm -hmm. the amount of effort that you've put into this, to your piece, to your creativity, the, that will then justify its value. Does that make sense? Like if you've not had to work really hard to make that thing, then is that thing really, was it really worth it? Is it any good? And then if you make something and it's easeful, then surely that thing is, doesn't have as much value as something you've toiled over. Right, right. It's really this kind of double, I don't know if double standard is the right word, but on the one hand, we're told that hard work makes, you know, the best work. Mm-hmm. But on, on the other hand, we're also told that like, there are some people who are just like naturally talented and we like, <laughs> accept that there are like people who just like naturally do things well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember even in school, one time a teacher told me that like, this was in, I think the eighth grade and she was trying to prepare us for high school and, you know, how in high school, they're always trying to prepare you for the next thing for mm-hmm. university for um, there's just like this long chain of you're just being prepared for the yeah. state of, of like work, right? Yes. But it, yes. <laughs> but at one point she told us uh, or was talking to someone and she said not to call this student a hard worker in on some application because that implied that she wasn't like she had to work really hard to to be good at this. And so at the one, on the one hand, it's like, you don't want us to work hard, but at the same time, you want us to work hard. Which yeah. Is like, 
and laziness is 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 like such a sin is I mean it is right to be sloth like like cheers thank thank you <laughs> humans who translated the bible into English like great um and yeah and it's I mean I have so many if you, if you don't look like you're working sometimes in certain workplaces or even school then you're punished for that yeah yeah. So it's like we're kind of conditioned to do busy work, mm. to do to 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 look like we're doing something. Yeah. And if we're just staring off in space, that doesn't count as doing something, even though you could be mentally preparing, rehearsing, ideating, mm-hmm. anything. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that that the appearance your your appearance of being busy or not then really fuels how you feel about yourself as well almost like if you just if I was to just sit around staring into space now I could say like I'm being I'm being productive I use that term so lightly you know how (laughs) I feel I just it's not I don't like using it but there is a now I could look at that scene of myself staring out of the window and think, yeah, great. That was time well spent, but that's taken like a long time to get to that. And up until more recently, that would have been reason to chastise myself, you know, do something, get a book, get a, get, get a notebook, you know, mm-hmm. do something, take action, be, be acting work. Right. <laughs> right perform doing the work (laughs) oh my gosh yes exactly and I like I still feel like I fight those impulses all the time Um, even like even if I'm doing like research on my novel right I think oh I I had better look up all these things about I don't know like herbalism I better know everything about it Mm -hmm. I'd like a better um I don't know maybe going back to an earlier episode, do this properly. Mm-hmm. Like I, I better cover my bases and, and somehow this doing of research gets mixed up with the actual ideating. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily matter that I did all this research. It matters what I do with it. So yeah. I could do less with it and make more of it. Mm-hmm. It, you know, and, and th- those kinds of patterns are like set up pretty early yeah yeah definitely so we talked about performing work what about performing play do you think that happens or do you think play is I don't know what do you think what are your thoughts oh that's so good because I think we have all these like listicles online now but like here's here are things to do to recover your creativity or to be more creative and it's kind of like it's like really well-meaning and it's really nice to like be like okay well I can go on a walk and I can go do this artist day or whatever, but you can really just go through the motions with those things too. Don't mm-hmm. you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. And when I'm really, really low energy, that's when I get trapped into performing play or performing rest. And, and it's, it's like when I really can't distinguish between the thing that I really need that is probably to just zone out and you know sit in front of Netflix for 12 hours and fall asleep halfway through binge watching something and just really be stationary really be 
un, un, what's the opposite of exerting myself like just totally immobile but instead of doing that I'm like okay I'm gonna I will perform rest I'll make myself a nice herbal tea and <laughs> um I don't know it's like you know the that girl videos and like how to be that girl it kind of right. feels like that like um performing looking after myself and I think I can do I definitely do the same with play like I don't even know if I if I make enough time for play in general so when I think about performing play it's it's like shit is that all of is that all of it is that all my play do I do genuine play right now I don't know yeah is that that's heartbreaking <laughs> it's like I don't even like I was trying to think of what are activities that as an adult count as play yeah and it just made me think well it really doesn't have to do with what you're doing it has to do with your headspace right like mm-hmm. there's something like really heavy feeling about work um compared to the lightness of play so like how do you go from feeling heavy about something to feeling lighter about something mm. and maybe that makes all the difference I really really love that oh I really love that heavy heavy versus light work versus play so um when I last week I think it was was doing some drafting for the old novel and it felt very light and playful and I guess for me maybe the the thing that brings lightness is nonsense and I was allowing myself to write nonsensical things or um to just be really silly and to 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 write without clear purpose or care for quality or originality I I think I think like a lot of heaviness comes in like I need this to be good I need this to be original and and putting that down and just saying what we really really what would just be really silly right now to happen in the story was just awesome and I was like oh my god I love this it felt that felt light and I wanted to keep going back and that helped with the the whole consistency piece that we've talked about before and it's easier to want to want to um be active on that on the draft when it comes from a place of pleasure yeah I love that pressure more pleasure yes (laughs) exactly (laughs) Just had to throw that in there. <laughs> and I love that so much because I think as an adult, the most playful I felt was during uh, this free writing class that I took over Zoom during mm-hmm. the pandemic um, oh with Diana Getch. Yeah. Tell and me everything. It's, it was so good. It was um, basically the, the concept of the classes were never really taught how to like write a first draft in a way that feels really alive and playful and fresh and surprising because if it's surprising to you as a writer while you're writing it's going to be like fresh and surprising to the reader Mm -hmm. um and so we just did all kinds of different free writing exercises and it really felt like doing like improv or something on the page Mm -hmm. like um and then the and um I guess what I'm what reminded me of that is when you were talking about writing nonsense, because a lot of the times during a free write, you're just kind of 
going with whatever comes to your head and it doesn't necessarily make sense, but you can kind of justify it later. You can kind of like wrap it into whatever idea that you've been talking about. And there's something so nice about like, and this comes from improv comedy where like you, they, they teach you that you do something and then you catch up with it later. Mm-hmm. So like you, you do something, you notice what you did and what does that say about this character or the situation? Um, and then how do you take that a little further the next time or reincorporate that into the next bit of the scene? Mm-hmm. So it's some, starting with something that's like totally random and then you make it make sense after. Yeah, I Which really is, like that. Isn't that like the, the, at the heart of like the creative act in general? Like you kind of have to have that bit of faith that this thing that seems so nonsensical right now is either um, moving you forward or like, or just something to play off of. Yeah. Yes. And you just reminded me then of, you know, when you're in school and you're studying Shakespeare or I don't know, I think Ted Hughes, we study a lot of Ted Ted Hughes is like a, on every like British curriculum. I don't know if you have much of his poetry across the pond, but I think he was probably poet laureate. Um, oh, really? I think so. Mm, I don't I'm know. I haven't read much that. of Ted Hughes, so he yeah, sure. it's good. Um, he yeah, so you study his poems, and I'm like, did he really choose that word? Did he really agonize over that word? Or did that word come to him in a moment of inspired action and deep presence? You know, and here we are all these years later, agonizing over the meaning of this word and what it conveys. And now you're going to go and write your essay on the choice of, you know, this word. And, And I think the way that we learn about how the way that we study artistic and creative outputs at school is just such a downer on making any work yourself because then you know I came away from that thinking well that sounds tedious as fuck like I don't have it in me to have (laughs) to be a poet or a writer if that is what's required you know that level of in my opinion like pedantry you know you can fight me on that but that's what it felt (laughs) like you know that that it's just like such um a meticulous like level of detail there's no pleasure in that for me. There's right. no lightness, fun. Like you need it all to make sense up front is what that says to me. Yes. Oh, that okay. So that two things. I feel like every kid has that initial reaction, right, in an English class or something where you're analyzing, uh, you're doing like a close reading or something, and they're like, "But did this, did this author really mean that? Like, what? You know." why would they care this much initially? And I think that intuitive moment is like a realization that you cannot possibly micromanage all of those details. Yeah. Like how, how would anyone do that? Yeah. Um, but then the second thing that we talked about in that free writing class was um, her, her pedagogy basically for this ca- class is based on uh, the poet William Stafford's um, I think conversation that he had with another writer. I think it's published somewhere. Um, I'll have to look that up, but he talks about like this idea of following the golden thread where you don't necessarily know where it's going to lead you, but you're, you're just kind of 
following this thread of an idea um, in all of its like specificity and all the details that come to you in the moment. And the thing with um, novice writers or like people who haven't, haven't been like training for very long or whatever, um, they pull too hard on the thread. Mm-hmm. And like, that's like the danger of like, that's the trying too hard part, right? Um, but basically he was saying that like he lowers his standards in order to write so prolifically. And then he just like picks the stuff that he likes more or thinks is more well-developed and publishes that. Yeah. And what a hero. Right. Right. What a hero because no one will admit that. (laughs) I just love that so much. Do you know what? We should both lower our standards Right from now, from now on. I've officially lowered my standards for what I expect from my writing because we're taught to expect more like, I don't know, accuracy, if that makes sense, Mm -hmm. like in our words than potentially the author had ever contrived to to do, you know? Right. Right. And it just, and it reminds you that like, initially this has to be play like it has to be exploratory it has to be open-ended it has to be something that you're not really sure of there's no like outcome involved at least not in the beginning in the in the beginning you're just exploring something you're just you're just um trying things out and seeing what happens Mm -hmm. um what about what about external pressures and time pressures deadlines do you think they have been useful to you in shifting between work and play or can you play to a deadline I don't know what do you think yeah I like the idea of like setting aside time for play because I think um I don't know if you feel this way but I'm a very like schedule time aware person and so I feel if if I have a deadline for something, it kind of shuts me down. It kind of mm. makes me feel like freaked out rather than playful. But if I set aside time where like I can just be open-ended and free, like if I'm if I'm setting aside time to do like a writing date, like was suggested in that free writing class, mm-hmm. um, I would set aside 30 minutes where I get to just like scribble random stuff. You know, like I could pick a prompt or, but I would give myself time to just write nonsense Mm -hmm. (laughs) if I want to. And I feel like that's such a nice way of at least like warming up for something. If I'm like, if I'm working on a project, it's really nice for me to separate play time and project time. Yeah. Do you do that? I, I haven't done that. I tend to, I like to write before at the start of my day mm-hmm. and I sit down on my couch. Like I need to be super comfy. I can't be near hard service surfaces, which I think is maybe a subconscious thing that helps me be in more of a gentle, soft play state than I could. Mm-hmm. This is work. So I don't sit at a desk. I just get on the couch, put my laptop on my knees and I have um, up until the point where I really need to like get through the shower and start being an adult um, <laughs> and all of that. But it's that's kind of nice to be um, 
it's like it's like when I am still in an um in an unofficial mode like my day hasn't officially started I don't I'm not needed anywhere I don't need to do anything or be available to anyone so it's that kind of time box thing there is that time deadline um and you know we have seen the biggest shift in the way that we work ever right because of the pandemic so even then when I'm thinking oh I really need to wrap this up by x point there's so much more fluidity in my working life that that's never really a hard stop and I Mm -hmm. think a very definite hard stop um can feel almost a bit frightening and then it's like you really need to make the most which we've talked about before making the most and that's um that always feels like a lot of pressure and then I end up trying and we all know how that goes Right. Do you find it you're able to maintain some of that playfulness and like when you're um, working on like day job stuff or do you find it hard to kind of transition from that to like creative projects? Because I remember really struggling with that, um, being able to go from day job mode to Mm. uh, here's here's extra time I have. I can use this but how do I get into that playful headspace when I haven't been necessarily practicing that? Mm. Yeah, I find it's, it's been easier to go from like corporate Kate, I'm here to manage <laughs> this project, like watch out, to <laughs> then like writer Kate. That has become easier since allowing myself to write something that is um you know a book that I would read for pleasure before in my early 20s I think I've you know talked about this before because I'm I used to think the the only valid types of writing were the like I don't know prize winning that doesn't even, I mean, there are prizes for everything, but like serious, like serious literature. So mm-hmm. I was trying, you know, my first attempts at writing a novel were like serious, serious, really serious. And then it was very difficult to transition from like work mode to creative mode because it was all work ultimately. It was all trying really mm-hmm. hard and laboring. But now I can switch off my laptop and I'm like, let's go see how these magical creatures are getting on <laughs> like it feels <laughs> it just feels so much lighter because the output and the thing I'm trying to do feels like there's less at stake or I'm trying to impress I don't know I'm not trying to impress anymore yeah you're just trying to entertain I, yourself yeah and and the goal has changed so much you know the goal used to be write a book that's going to be so good that it will basically guarantee your immortality as like a literary classic. Right. And I'm not even joking. Right. That was like early twenties. That's, that was what I wanted subconsciously. I don't know if I explicitly acknowledged that, but that's what I was, that would have been my writerly ambitions. And now I'm like, do you know what? Enjoy writing a B in, create something that another human is going to also enjoy that feels like so much more important to me now than the quality yeah it kind of makes me think of of what your chap was saying about like lowering the standard 
Yeah. Yeah. And it also, it just makes me think that like the headspace of play is not outcome based and we get like so caught up in wanting certain kinds of results that it like kills the impulse of fun and interest (laughs) and like your natural self doesn't come through. Mm -hmm. And if your natural self is not coming through in your creative work, then it just feels like a struggle. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, but I it's it's hard right. because it's like there's so much that's so much like cultural conditioning that tells us that our natural self is like suspect, you know, like is not to be trusted, has to be like like there's something so spontaneous about creative work, right? Like, but we're not we're not taught to trust our spontaneous impulses. Mm-hmm which I think sets us up for a lot of like contradiction in how we feel about creative things, activities. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Because mm. I, I think for a long time, like, or a while ago, I took improv classes because I wanted to learn how to be more spontaneous um, because I, I, I just kind of felt intuitively that, that part of me had been kind of squashed. And if I were to like... um. I don't know, relearn how to trust my like own spontaneity, I would be a better writer. Mm-hmm. And, and it was so interesting to me to see how like the way if you're, if you just trust yourself to be more spontaneous in like conversation and expressing, I don't know, your like silliness or whatever that like somehow translates to your own creative work. Mm-hmm. So, and obviously like your life, is tied to your creative work, but we don't often talk about like, okay, how do you feel about your life? And there's actually a connection about like how you are in the world and the way you playfully express yourself on paper. Yeah. Like there's a, there's like a, what's the word? It's like an, it's a natural consequence, right? So I don't know. I think that that's kind of interesting. Like you don't necessarily have to be playing on paper right away but if you could just manage to feel a bit more playful in your daily life that just translates mm-hmm. do you yeah. feel that way yeah and something I've just realized the way that I play as an adult mm-hmm. is my clothes and it feels really taboo because fashion is you know perceived societally as vapid frivolous shallow caring about fashion means you care about your appearance means you are you know xyz vapid shallow etc or you have to follow trends sorry or you have to follow trends yes yeah and it's not about your identity it's about being a sheep like following yeah the, the masses I suppose but really that's like such a big way of how I express myself and how I how I am playful is just by is it's in my clothes and it's it feels like only recently that I've been starting to think about fashion as a getting dressed as a hobby (laughs) but I think it is and I think that feels like a way that I am spontaneous in my life is um how I turn myself out 
Yeah, because like your creativity is so much more than like the story that you're writing right now. It's mm-hmm. just like how you do everything. Yeah. So that's how really you nice. show up in the world. Yeah, definitely. Do, do you feel like it's affecting other areas of your life or you're just kind of like enjoying this part of it? I think the more that I have embraced that as one of my, it's like, it's a legitimate interest and something mm-hmm. that is, I am, I have given myself the green light to just embrace fully. Since that has happened, I have found that I am more consistently myself across all the aspects of my life. So I am now the same person that shows up to my day job. That's the same person who shows up on Instagram to talk about this kind of thing. And it's the same person Mm -hmm. showing up now here, you know, you and I, and there's more consistency. So I think, yeah, being able to um, really be with the things that give us pleasure openly yeah makes a big difference I love that I love that so much because I I can relate to that after taking after our first like improv classes uh, that we took together um a few classmates and I were just talking about how our like relationship with or our conversations had become a lot more like like open or like sillier or we would just like blurt out things that we wouldn't normally say but they would often like lead to some interesting conversation and it just it's so funny how like that kind of shift in your headspace and how like light how lightly that you're feeling about something can affect so many other areas of your life mm-hmm. I just think that's so fascinating and I think it's a lot about permission isn't it yeah so it sounds like after your class you maybe you all had more permission amongst each other to be spontaneous and speak freely and right like we could trust ourselves again yes yeah um and maybe that's like a big aspect of that playfulness too it's feeling like you can trust yourself to figure it out as you go and Mm -hmm. you don't have to have like a certain outcome Mm -hmm. and it, you can you can like actually trust your sense of like fun and lightheartedness, which mm. maybe that's what gets conditioned out of us too. Yeah, and I wonder if there's a worthiness thing, mm. like that you're enough as you are, a, and then yeah. b that you deserve as a person, as a creative, to to enjoy your process like you you deserve to take pleasure in it to find joy in it for it to be relaxed and open and that there's I do I do feel like there's a level of you know self-flagellation in making it work you know mm, yeah. and I mean I mean is in, in making it work like big capital W and and in order to have a good thing come out of it you have to really like prove yourself and you're you know it it's not allowed to be easy for us for whatever reason you know if there's if there's stuff going on there about yeah absolutely right like do you feel like you're entitled to even time to play right Mm -hmm. like or do you feel like you're so behind or so not where you want to be that you have to work at it yeah I think that's like a big component for sure Mm -hmm. Um, and I guess that's a big topic because it's like, 
unlearning that or soothing that in yourself could be a whole process. But Mm. I do think that like, maybe just keeping in mind, at least I'm saying this for myself as well, like, because I definitely relate to those times when I'm making something because, and in the back of my mind, I want to like prove something, you know, like I'm like, oh, this one person said this thing about my writing this one time. (laughs) And and now I'm I must prove this person wrong. And it's like, it doesn't matter, you know, and that that person might have a different sensibility. You like, you might have even mistaken something about what they said, and they didn't mean it in a negative way. But basically, we're just like, fighting imaginary obstacles in our minds about our work and really if you could just like let that go um it's it's a much more like free-flowing place Mm -hmm. yeah Mm. I also think of like creative work as an opportunity to play different roles so if you're not like super comfortable um, I don't know, being someone who, for example, like if you have a character who does something very different than what you do, um, it's an opportunity to, to just jump into someone else's like world for a while. Mm-hmm. And that can take the pressure off because it's not you, you know, it's mm-hmm. you through filtered through this character. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's something about how if you treat that like creative project as a site of play and don't think so much about what the result will look like and instead just like play a role as a character mm-hmm. as you write, that mm-hmm. can be kind of liberating. Mm. I'm going to think about that when I do my drafting this week, that idea of I suppose it is acting in a way, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) I hadn't thought about it like that. I like it. You're just playing pretend. You're like, what if I was this princess for a while? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Is that something you consciously do when you're writing? I think I've been a very like uh, character based writer. So like I, I have struggled with plot in the past because I'm like really comfortable doing character sketches and like doing dialogue, but then um, not being as certain about what the overall structure will be. So for me, a fun thing has been, let's just let this character talk and figure out, like decide what they will do. And that's a way to take the the weight of responsibility of me deciding what this character does and just Mm -hmm. in the moment, free writing as this person and it's funny because it kind of tricks your brain into coming up with possibilities that you weren't really entertaining when you started. Yeah. So I guess yeah. it's just another way of tricking yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I you like free write, do you, do you feel like you have an idea in mind that you're kind of play, playing with or do you purely just sponta- spontaneously go for it? Most of my drafting and free writing so it's either I'm free writing as like a journaling morning pages Mm -hmm. process 
or it's image-based. So I'll start with an image and explore it because I guess it's like very a very visual you know like I have my like a film film background so it, that's mm-hmm. really how I come to come to stories I suppose is like what's the scene what does it look like um right. very sensory based free writing and then from there it's kind of like okay who who's there who's in that space mm-hmm. um who's in this this little vignette vignette's a good word that's kind of where I start from so the process I'm going through right now is to capture as many vignettes as possible and keep and trying to string them together and find the vignettes that fill the gaps in order to make a plot make a structure nice that really does sound like kind of um like you have like a film in your head that's like developing like Mm. the way people talk about polaroids but it's like a movement image (laughs) yeah yeah that's that that's that feels like a very true description it's my big experiment I really hope that it I hope that I have the I guess the energy and the excitement to see it through you know I was just thinking about finishing and um I guess one of the reasons it might feel scary to play or has felt scary for me to play is because I'm just desperate to finish projects. I want to Mm. finish. I want to have something done and in a format that's accessible for other people to consume. Um, So it feels, and that always feels difficult to me. That's really challenging. So that then drags me closer to the work element and away from play because is play really the right path to finishing? You know, it's feels difficult yeah. to trust that sometimes. Well, a lot of the time. Right, right. Because all of a sudden you want an outcome. You want like a specific result. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's the hardest part, isn't it? I feel like a lot of people are in that. I'm in that space right now mm-hmm. where do you, do you feel when you're talking about finishing a project, do you mean you're in the middle of something or you can't, you're like all the way there almost, but you can't quite, or is it like, are you already into like revision mode? I think it's at the beginning. As I start, I'm like, Mm -hmm. will this ever end? Will I ever, will I ever (laughs) make, will I make it? Do I have it? It's very, it's a very confidence-based dilemma probably. And, and I wonder if it would be helpful for me to, you know, I think I've already, something that's useful for me has been to stretch out all of my timelines for every, anything I ever want to do. So mm-hmm. with the, with the novel that isn't, doesn't feel too painful. I'm like, yeah, I can stretch that out. But it's like, if the thing that is the end is so far away, yeah. it's, I, I almost want to create little islands between now and then. Well, do you have faith that you will finish it? I think I do. I think is that, I do. And is that enough? I'm, I guess I'm, I've been thinking about that be- question because Victoria Schwab just posted on her Instagram, I think yesterday, a story where she was talking about how she gets into the state, I think pretty much exactly what you're talking about, um, with every book that she writes, like in the middle of it, she's convinced that she will always be writing this book. <laughs> like, like it I will feel like end. that. <laughs> it, it won't. 
And I feel like that too. And um, it, it was just so nice to hear that from her because she's like, and I always do, but I'm, but I have this kind of amnesia about it where I forget that with every book, I feel this way. Mm-hmm. It's only when my, like I talk to like friends or editors that like, so I guess this is my way of saying like, maybe we just have to keep in mind that like, this is just part of the process. And like yeah. having that faith is like the only thing that anchors you and mm-hmm. the knowing that you will finish this project. And what happens or, is that? Oh. Or it'll Sorry. evolve and mm. that will be good too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I find the feeling I have now, my like finishers fear, mm-hmm. is is I'm tempted to put this down temporarily, yeah. inverted commas, so right. that I can work on something that's a smaller scale that I'm more likely to finish so that yeah. I have finished something to then prove right. to myself I can finish things. But I know part of me knows that will kill the work. To put the work down right now to go and do something else. Or it'll make it harder when you pick it back up. Yeah. And it will be dispiriting and it will, you know. Sure. I guess I'm, I, that totally makes sense to me because that's kind of what I already did. <laughs> like I was working on a short story, got stuck, then started something else, got stuck, then started something else, got stuck. And it's like, okay, at that point, you have to admit to yourself that. The problem is not the story or your ability to like write it. It's really just how you're thinking about this middle portion. Yes. Right. Like it has more to do with, um, I don't know. And I guess, I don't know how you were thinking about this stuckness, but I guess the way the, the story that I was telling myself <laughs> was that I am bad at plot. So I didn't get this plot right which means that I have to rethink this entire thing, which got me in my head because most of how I write is by trusting like the sense of voice that a story has. And I think everyone has a different, I think there are three main things that people are good at that they say, like one is voice, one is, uh, is it like imagery? I have to look these three up. Maybe that's Mm -hmm. a whole other topic. Mm. But basically I was not, trusting that part of me anymore because I didn't trust myself to figure out like, the plot. Basically, it was just a made-up reason. It was just a story that I was telling myself mm. that's not true. Mm-hmm. And I had to kind of rework that story to be more about, well, I have this voice, I have this character, and they have this emotional journey that they're going through in the story. Mm-hmm. And if that's not being conveyed through this plot, there is another way of writing it. And mm-hmm. so I can go back to trusting the voice when when it felt like it was like really alive and playful and mm-hmm. stuck from there. And I think that that has helped a lot. So I don't know if you have like a version of that, but that's mm-hmm. something that helped me get through that feeling of like just not finishing things. Mm. Yeah, and I think... Do you know what? I wonder if it's like the, sorry, such a long pause. I'm trying to find my words. Um, I wonder if it's, if what would help me is the fact that I'm still in it is a victory. Mm -hmm. And the fact that I'm in it at all is a success. And that every day that I, every day that I finish 
a writing session right. that is finishing. Do you know, like I wonder if it's about a remolding of this whole idea of like being a starter, you know, starter finisher and mm-hmm. saying to myself, you know what? Maybe the goal is to is it's 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 to just it's to stick it out and to make yeah. it make it enjoyable enough that that feels easy to do instead yeah. of freaking out about oh my god it will never be done what's well, the point why are you freaking out I don't know about it being done is it that like are you dwelling on some like insecurity or are you feeling like you just don't know where to take it you know I don't even know that's such a great question there's some impatience in somewhere that I have and I don't I think I'll I need to reflect on where that has come from yeah because that could be an interesting way of like honing in on like oh this is the story I've been telling myself about this thing and here's how to like tweak it in a way that makes it serve me Mm. rather than I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's so do you know Nancy Klein? Mm, I think you've mentioned her, but I've yeah. forgotten. She's she's brilliant. Um she talks about incisive questions to help when people are stuck. So she's a leadership coaching type person and um we studied some of her techniques on the coaching training that I did. And she helps people to look at they're limiting assumptions by asking, you know, mm-hmm. what are you assuming that's kind of getting in your way? And then she right. asks, okay, so what would be a more freeing, useful assumption? And then she asks, if you knew that that useful, freeing assumption was true, what would you do? Oh, so I, I wonder that. if if that's if if it yeah, would be that's useful the same thing. for me to exactly. like get through this so yeah it's, that's like it's, a way more articulate version of what I was trying to get at <laughs> yes yes I mean I don't beat yourself up it's her like it's her life's work um <laughs> listen pal I, I love that a freeing to. assumption this has been such a great chat I ha- I've definitely lots to think about after this conversation and we really hope that you enjoyed listening to the show come and hang out with us on Instagram. You can find a link to our page and pages in the show notes. If you enjoyed the podcast, then give us a review, follow, set your Spotify alerts, like whatever you, you know, do what you need to do to stay tuned (laughs) and we will, we'll catch you next time. See you next time.